You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, hey, hey. This is another episode of Grinding True Crimes. I am your host, Todd Fox. Um, Matt is usually the one who does the introductions, but um, him and Gabby had a death in the family. So uh, we're going to give them the time that they need. They told me to continue on, and that I have uh, to give some content to you, the listeners. They will be back as soon as uh, they are feeling up to it, and I'm not rushing them whatsoever, and they're not rushing it as they don't need to. But uh, uh, shout out to them, thoughts and prayers with them, and uh, they told me to uh, to tell all you guys thank you in advance because they know that they're going to out give the uh, outreach that you guys normally do when stuff happens. And uh, again, we appreciate all the love and they appreciate all the listeners. So shout out to them and to you, the listener. So with that being said, we're going to move forward here with this episode. And I have a special guest that's going to help host and listen to the story tonight. And his name is Big Game James. Yeah, James Gonzalez, I I share the same thoughts as you, of course, with Matt and Gabby, you know, losing someone. Um, that's always tough. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm here, I guess, uh, pinch hitting sports term, but, um, yeah, last time I think I was on, there was a skid row, uh, murders going on. And if you go back and check that out, that was crazy in the city of LA. And, um, you know, I'm really interested to get into the next one and appropriately enough, I have all the lights off. So scary time indeed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah james is uh one of my good friends and also a good friend of matt and gabby he's a cool guy he's uh we've done other podcasts together and uh he is a faithful lit- listener to the show as well so uh we appreciate him very much so and we and they appreciate those words i'm sure uh james uh so as we get started tonight james uh i don't have all the glitz and glamour of how matt describes all the podcast platforms that we're on and other announcements. I do know that we uh, have some uh, merch that's going to be coming out in March, some shirts and other stuff. And then uh, we're also going to have some Patreon episodes to where you can get an episode two months in advance. And also um, if you're a Patreon uh, member and you email us a suggestion for a case to tackle We will put that at the top of the list because we've had listener requests. We've done them and we have some on the way. But if you're a Patreon member, you automatically go to the the top of the uh, list. Even if you've already gotten one done, you can get another one done. So keep that in mind. So I would love a mug. (laughs) Yeah, those are those are coming too. right now. We have the uh, the to go cups and we have the wine glasses. 
So a mug is literally on the way as well, dude. So we'll nice. get one for sure. All right. So with that being said, my friend, let's get started on tonight's case. And that's going to take us uh, to our second time ever going to Texarkana, which is on the very northeast side of Texas, bordering the state of Arkansas. That's why it's called Texarkana. Oh, a little yeah. geography here. Yes. <laughs> I knew you would appreciate that. I do. Yeah. And if uh, you want to hear more about the geography, the census, we got into a lot of the, the history in our last case, which is uh, the, the the Moonlight Murders, Texarkana Moonlight Murders. That's an episode where we got into a, a great detail of the state of Texas and Arkansas and how that became a thing. Um, But this is one that, again, uh, listener discretion is advised. There's going to be some pretty graphic stuff being told on this one. Um, so... Uh, buckle your seat belts, and like Samuel L. Jackson said famously, hold on to your butts. <laughs> so uh, in this case, like I said, we talked about Texarkana. This would be uh, next to the Moonlight Murders, their most second famous case, and one that stayed unsolved for quite some time and was very tragic. So uh, can you guess what year this took place, my friend? Oh, most of yours have been, you know, 60s, 70s, 50s lately. So being the loyal listener I am, I'm going to say the 19th, late 60s. Mm, close. This one takes place a year after I was born, 1981. Wow. Yeah, we, we got into the 80s. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to talk about a family here. <clears throat> And uh, we're going to talk about the Alexander family. And uh, we're going to feature his, uh, the Alexander's 13-year-old son, uh, Gordon, uh, who was at the time, uh, he grew up with a congenitive hip issue and leg issue that uh, he was not able to walk right. And they'd finally gotten the money up for him to get the surgery to correct his legs. So at the time of the situation, he was confined to a wheelchair at the age of 13, but on the recovery to someday soon uh, be able to walk normally for the first time in his life. Wow. So he had surgery on both of his hips. Mm. Um, his sister, uh, Karen Alexander, she uh, was 14 at the time. Um, their mother, 34 year old Vera Alexander and their fa their father Weldon, AKA hip. Don't ask me how he got that name, but hip Alexander was 47 at the time. So he's an older father at this time. Wow. Um, the Alexander family lived at 501 Baden on College Hill in Texarkana, Arkansas. So they're right on the freaking border. Um, so the date we're going to talk about is April 8th, 1981 at 7.15 in the morning. Now, a couple things to consider here as we set this up, James. The father, um, Hip, or Weldon, 
um, worked at a tire company and he worked the night shift and did not get off till about 6 30 6 45 in the morning he went to work around 9 30 close to 10 and he would not arrive home at until 7 15 in the that very morning now i don't know how you were like like what was the earliest you were left alone to stay the night somewhere by yourself Mm. probably like I say 9 p.m. No, I mean, what what age were you? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the earliest I was left alone was probably, um, shoot, 12, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And I think that was your parents, like, trusting you at 12 years old? Because I know a couple 12-year-olds I wouldn't trust to uh, be alone in the kitchen, let alone by themselves (laughs) for an entire night. I think my parents knew that I would just like stay in the room or something. I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't tr- go out and uh, get into trouble or anything like that. I think that's why they did. But I think it's all different with certain parents. They either care or they don't. That is true as well. The parents actually have to give a crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, the reason why the two kids were left alone all night was not only because Weldon was at work. Their mother, Vera... She suffered from depression, anxiety, and a little bit of schizophrenia. So what we call bipolar today is probably what she had, you know, back then. And it wasn't diagnosed because it wasn't really a thing. And she was actually at a hospital being institutionalized, like almost like on a 72 hour hold because she was freaking out a couple days prior. Mm -hmm. So she's at the hospital. Weldon's at work. The two kids are left at home. What do you think happens? I think the kid kind of freaks out. Wonders where the parents are. Okay. Well, I wish it was just that. I wish it was just that. The kids knew the mom was in the hospital, though. The dad was at work. But here's what happens. Weldon comes home and notices that the front door is open and the screen door is ajar. Oh. Yeah, it's off the hinges. Now, he goes into the house and finds his 13-year-old son on the floor, stabbed to death out of his wheelchair. He had been stabbed 16 times and he had one really deep gash to his face that extended to the back of his head. My God. Yeah, that's a severe stab wound. I mean, a real bad one. He freaks out and he heads, you know, because he sees that his son had defensive wounds on his hands so he confronted his his attacker but to no avail he runs you know shouting his daughter's name he goes to the the room the the living room which after leaving the you know the kitchen area where his son was goes and finds on the couch his daughter and she had extensive head injuries including a broken jaw 
stab wounds to her chest. And when he found her, this one's tough, James. A knife was embedded through her eye into, oh my. into her brain. I can picture, I'm picturing everything right now. That is wild to come home to. Yeah. He's he's freaking out. She's lying on her back with a knife in her eye. And she had been raped. What the? Her, you know, she's nude from the waist down. So, eye in the socket. Wow. Yeah. Somehow, some way, after calling the police, they get there. She's still alive. That's amazing. She's still freaking alive. Um, Weldon would tell officers Terry Spearman and Bobby Thompson that he actually removed the kitchen knife from his daughter's eye and laid it nearby before the police got there nine minutes after the phone call. Wow. Don't they tell people do not remove like things that went into people's bodies or something like wow kind of shocked by that yeah you're that his first move yeah that that's that's uh very questionable right there because you're absolutely right sometimes in stabbings especially when you're you know if someone were to try to pull the knife out a that's freaking painful b your body's in shock you might not feel it till they pull it out and c if you remove the knife the knife could be what's if it's embedded into the person could be keeping the wound sealed mm-hmm. the blood from flowing out of the body to where now it's a really serious issue where it's already serious with a stab wound but if you pull it out you know it could rip an artery coming out the blood would flow and then you bleed out mm-hmm. so with puncture wounds or or uh, what's that called when people get um, impaled you know, they always leave that object in there and let that at the discretion of the um, emergency room or the surgeons to take care of. Right. Yeah, dude. So I, I just don't know how you could pull the knife out. I, I wouldn't. I would just let it be and call 911 or, you know, look outside, be aware of my surroundings. That's all you could really do at that time. Uh just be aware of where you are and see if anybody's behind your back. You know, that's all you could do in that situation. That is very true. And the most ironic and, and, you know, thing of this story and a twist that came with it was they rushed Weldon's daughter to the very hospital where his mom was on or her, her mother was on that 72 hour hold. And Karen, the young fighter that she was at 14, stayed fighting for three days until wow. she until she was declared brain dead. And her mother would be released at you know, and but be told as she was being released a day prior to her daughter dying that your daughter's in trauma in the trauma area ICU she's fighting for her life and your son is dead so already a mentally unstable person has to come to reality after being 
probably put on meds and and you know everything's nice and she's she's like everything's nice as far as like they're trying to keep her upbeat and everything and then reality hits that she could never imagine it's like a bad dream right that that just sounds man i, I don't know if you come back from that honestly i would think you almost situation where you pull the plug pretty much yeah that's Jeez. that's got to be unbearable i mean you already have all that stacked against you you know you're 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 already a, a woman suffering from depression um and your kids were fine now you're a woman suffering from depression anxiety schizophrenia bipolarism everything and your kids are dead now so uh police assume that the predator entered the house thinking the wife was there and possibly the wife was the target but attacking gordon knocking him out of the wheelchair stabbing him to death and then maybe karen woke up from her sleep on the couch and then was beaten and sexually assaulted as far as that's what the police were theorizing what happened Karen's a fighter yeah exactly um then they were theorizing that the son tried to put up a fight too because he had quite a few defensive wounds right. too so Although in a wheelchair, he fought for his life too. So, like I mentioned, Vera was at the hospital. She found this out. There's a very famous picture of the couple sitting on their front porch. And I'll post it on the Facebook page um, and Instagram. It's Weldon sitting there with a depressed look on his face, kind of looking down in a rocking chair. And... On another chair, you look at Vera, and she looks checked out, bro. I mean, you don't even have to know that this woman has depression. And, you know, you just look at her picture. She looks checked out. Her face is dejected. It's looking down. And that was a newspaper article with an interview of both of them. I mean, it, it is a sad, sad picture of Vera. Wow. So, um, and it sucks because when the newspaper did investigation, Vera had a rough childhood, you know, mental issues at a young age. So this is, wasn't something that just came on because some people will be fine and then they have kids and it triggers something, you know, a woman will give birth and then she can't handle it or, you know, the postpartum and stuff like that, or they just develop kind of things with life in general, but this woman had it from the get-go so she's been fighting her entire life and just this hit her so so freaking hard so moving on um this was a huge hit to the community and the community tried to rally around the family and try to prevent you know give her time also, like, you know, as far as like hanging out with her, trying to play board games, keep her upbeat, take her to church. Um, you know, Weldon was getting a lot of support in the community and the police were trying their hardest, but they were getting um, ridiculed because just, you know, less than 30 years prior, you had that phantom that was killing people, lovers, you know, and, and, and had gotten away with it. They hadn't solved that case. 
So this the the people are like, oh great, here comes another high profile case that you guys aren't gonna solve. So the police, the mayor, everyone in charge was getting a lot of crap from the community. It's probably the same damn mayor, the same damn police chief, <laughs> all those years, and they've heard it before, and they're like, "Oh, we got to hit this one," but I don't know. We don't know much. It's only 1981. We don't have the technology like now, where you can find everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like now you have DNA, you have cameras, uh, cell phone tracking. There's all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's it's got to be hard for a killer, let alone a serial killer, do their thing and not get caught. It's not like back in the day, that's for sure. So, uh, like I said, uh, Weldon, as time goes by, often in these cases, James, they go cold. Mm-hmm. And they exhausted neighbors that were sketchy. They looked into previous predators, sexual predators that had been arrested. Um, they went outside of the county. They went into Arkansas. They, they they tried everything, bro. I mean, they're close to Oklahoma. They went into Oklahoma looking for, uh, you know, uh, potential suspects. Uh, they tried everything. This is one where you know they're not too much of Johnsons in in this case. They're. I was gonna say, where's the you know fingerprint? You know. Um, job, you know, where's the the detective work? It just seems like no one has a clue what to do, you know, compared, I guess, to years later. Like I mentioned, maybe they just didn't know how to really work the cases and, and figure it out. I mean, to go to, what, three or four states like they did, um, you can definitely find a lot of people, but... Man, just to not have, you know, the finger brush paint, you know, brush, finger paint brush or anything like that. That's just that's just bad detective work, honestly. Yeah. And, and getting into it, there was no fingerprints that were lifted other than the family members. There <sighs> were, there was trace amounts of evidence in the house. Um, semen stains. Again, you couldn't do anything prior to 1989 with wow. semen. Other than you can test it if it had blood or not and to see if it was a secretor or not. And that's like later. Um, and they didn't have in the middle of America any kind of DNA work. So all they did was literally uh, anything that had semen stains on it, which I believe was a comforter that was around the young girl. That was kept in evidence, but you're, you kind of hope you could use that later. And that's about all you had. You know what I mean? They were kind of hoping that the future you can investigate this more. But at the time, that's all they had, really. I mean, you, and you just hope that someone talked, someone confessed, or maybe you get a suspect and you can make them confess. But that's all they had, dude. This is not a movie. You know, usually, eventually in a movie, someone will confess. Someone will go to the little police station and just go go up and confess because they feel really bad about it where there's religious purposes to it where like oh yeah god told you you have to go tell him ain't nothing like that at all yeah and sometimes like as much as that sounds like a movie you just described like sometimes that will eat at somebody and they will open up 
or maybe have a deathbed confession, but there was nothing in this one about that. So, um, it's it's only about maybe close to three years later where this case will claim its third victim. And it's it's Vera, um, the the mother. Uh, she falls deeper and deeper into depression, and she can't get out of it. She begins to blame herself. She begins to wonder the meaning of life. Wonder why God would allow this. Um, she just flew off the deep end. Is and you can't blame her. I'm not going to victim blame her at all. It's just, it it sucks that she had to go this route, but she committed suicide. I can see that. Yeah, I think you were alluding to that earlier in the story. Yeah, just like, hey, and you can only, you know, take so much, but the thoughts, you can't get it out of your head, you can't go to sleep, you can't do things that remind you of the past and who you're with. It, that's just tough to live with. And and when did she commit suicide? What year? March of 1984. Yeah, I mean, usually, yeah, it happens. You know, within a few years, it, it doesn't. It doesn't take long for them to run out of you know will to to literally live. It's true. Correct. Now. Another wrinkle that would take this case and completely blow it up into obscurity is, have you ever heard of a guy named Henry Lee Lucas? No. Okay, if you Google this guy, Henry Lee Lucas was a guy that um, had an interesting past prior and did some things you wouldn't think of. He would literally, he would literally look like one of the townsfolk from... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. You see his 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 like sort of like you know he's got the the look towards him the missing teeth. He looks like that. Hey, you know, like he even talked like that. You know, the weird he, eye. Yeah, he talked like a Johnson. But <clears throat> the reason why I bring this guy up, he was a serial killer, convicted serial killer. I think he his body count is they can confirm. I believe it's three to six. But it's it's in that range. He did kill some women, and he actually he actually teamed up. And I'm going to do a case about him eventually. I've stayed away from him because his story has so many twists and turns. Because the brief synopsis of it is, he came around at the right time for the wrong reasons, and at the wrong time for so many families and police investigators nationwide. Because he was one of the first ones to just say, yeah, you know what? I killed so-and-so in Chicago. I've traveled the United States and I've killed here. I've killed here. He would read newspapers and then just start confessing over and over and over. And what it did was it got him perks of traveling to different states to talk to other investigators. And then investigators to get him to talk would feed him whatever he wanted, give him cigarettes. He was living it up, just confessing. He confessed to hundreds of murders, bro. I see uh, he was convicted of murdering 11. Oh, 11, uh, okay. And there's many unsolved cases that were closed based on the confession. Correct. They they, they had to... <laughs> oh, say Hicken? 
you have a lot yeah you have a lot here i mean i'm reading about him and this dude wow yeah he that case is crazy because he actually joins up with another serial killer who has confirmed kills and they killed together so <clears throat> that case is pretty damn crazy but henry lee lucas would confess to this murder as well and Unbelievable. yeah and uh <clears throat> as he's going around the nation doing his tour they started to find out that he was not you know most of his confessions he only knew the bare minimum he didn't know all the details so he was a convicted murderer but he just further wanted to push his because he knew he was dead to rights you know so it's all about self-preservation and what he could do so he was trying to get out of the electric chair by confessing and also getting all these perks and um uh he was exonerated from this case once they found out he didn't know all the details and that he wasn't even it wasn't possible for him at the time because he was actually somewhere else at the time of the murder so it just threw a wrench into any because they focused on henry lee lucas the entire time they were just like oh this is the guy this is the guy but nope that wasn't the guy so um we move on and henry lee lucas his confessions most of them were dismissed and he was held into uh in prison and he died i think in 2009 or somewhere around there uh you know when once we do the case i'll have all the dates and everything but uh but he died 2001 in, well 2001 that yeah, was way off okay um yeah so he died 2001 he should have been executed but uh mm -hmm. was not um so this case would be cold for a very long time till 2012 actually if yeah and uh dna was uh was tried and again you would think in 2012 it had advanced a lot but up until i'd say 2017 2016 the earliest that's when it, dna really got good and then he had the familial stuff in 2018 and the genealogy stuff you know the the family his, history one mm -hmm. that's when dna really got good now you can you can literally take a you know when you really sharpen a pencil to like it's got that real fine small tip mm -hmm. you can now get a piece of dna that small and get a whole profile or nail a person just by that good yep so it's come a long way. Um, so another detective took over, Detective Seward, who was assigned the case in the mid-2000s. But again, in 2012, he began to run the DNA and it again came back inconclusive. Now, after the Golden State Killer and they did the, you know, reverse genealogy, um, they, they began in 2022 with that dna that had been sitting around so long but thankfully was somewhat preserved to where it wasn't compromised they were able to run it in 2022 so this case is very newly solved um the detective uh took some fingernail clippings from obviously the the girl that were preserved used those instead of the semen stains and they were able to get small little tiny flakes of skin that were under her nails 
and they were able to run the DNA, and the DNA was processed from the scene back in 1981, and a familial hit was on the DNA. What do you think about that? Man. You know, everybody thought it was, you know, Henry. Mm-hmm. So, that's crazy. To And first of all, just to have some skin, you know, left over from there. But they never thought about doing that, you know, when they when it happened. But it took that long to figure out, you know, maybe if we try to get some DNA from somewhere else on the body, you know, maybe we can solve this. But it just wasn't around at that time, like you mentioned. Exactly. Now, now here's the thing. Now, Detective Seward had found some files that had never really been explored or looked at really good. So when he started to look more into the deep files and, and you know, really look through everything, he had missed a file a few years ago. And he took a look at it in in uh, mid-2020 or 2021 before they had sent the DNA off. And something troubled him that he saw from the medical examiner, the notes. On one of the pages and the notes that had been overlooked all these years, it said that Karen, the daughter, had not been a virgin prior to the rape. What? And that she had suffered vaginal um, irritation and trauma. And that she had been sexually, uh, it seemed like, not assaulted, but forced. Like it was not, it was not something that appeared to be consensual. I don't know how they could tell that upon the autopsy, but that's just what was in the notes. And that she could have been sexually active as long back or far back before her death as six months. Wow. Yeah. So now finding this out, Detective Seward wanted to take a look at who could have been around the family that could have did something. Was there an uncle? Was there a friend? Was there someone that the family knew that, you know, that that the could be you know related to this <clears throat> and he saw some other notes that he hadn't seen and that other detectives had missed and you know things were starting to look a little weird as far as someone close to the um the kids and he then sent in the comforter and other things that were collected but had never been tested you know for anything else other than DNA and he got some weird hits and what do you think he got outside of DNA on those particular items my first guess is either blood or semen well okay it's it's nothing it's nothing bodily fluids oh uh, uh i would say just DNA of someone else you know who I'm I'm really thinking I don't you haven't really mentioned, you know, any other family members, you know, coming around or whatever. You mentioned townspeople, 
Mm-hmm. But man, it, I all I would say DNA of someone else really. Okay. Well, what they found was traces of copper and rubber. And where did the father work at again? A tire company. Man. And then you start putting, you know, that together with where he worked and copper. Maybe him. And now the DNA pointing to someone in the family. The DNA was retested again. And they said we need to get Weldon as far as we need to find his DNA and see if it matches and here's the thing Weldon was dead at this point Weldon died in 2014 so he had been dead for a few years mm-hmm um, when they dug up his remains, they would find a hundred percent match. Wow. And all I can say as this piece of, you know what? Yeah. Raped his own daughter. The police said multiple times prior to this incident. And detective Seward says, his theory is that he got away with it and maybe Vera knew more than she did want to say because hip aka hip Weldon in the community if you look him up he has this round smile like a face that uh, any grandpa would have you know you know like like just like this he looks like a a kind, innocent old man, especially if you look at his death picture, his memoriam, they actually took the comments off of a a page where you can go to where he was buried and, you know, they write out a bio and you could send prayers, leave notes. All that's been turned off since they found out he was the murderer of his own two children. Canceled. Exactly. But the problem is that piece of crap until he died was looked upon as a victim and was looked upon as oh man you know like what a sweet old man you know like like what a what a good guy you know like like he's he's been in Texarkana forever you know like and he endured everything oof what a what a great guy so i see the picture from the funeral home of Texarkana mhm Texarkana and um yeah you know he's He's smiling and he's barely got his eyes open because this is probably near his passing. But how can you live with yourself knowing what you did? Putting the mother through that on top of whatever she's going through as well. You know, I think just the people thought, hey, he would never do such a thing. We can't, you know, I know we're in the South. But I, I, he would never do anything like that. You know, why would he do that to his own kids? You know, there, there's no way he would do that. Um, that's just the disheartening part. It, it almost makes you angry in a way that someone could live with that, you know, beyond the wife's years. And then for 
you know, 30 plus years after that and just never have the willingness or even at, at your your deathbed to confess it, you know, just to have that grace of, you know, say, hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm dying. Um, you know, I, I, I need to get this out that I did what I did, you know, not to even have that courtesy. It's just horrific. And I'm, I'm hoping there, you know, that he's in, there's a special place in hell for this guy. I, I, I saw the, the, uh, the porch picture mm -hmm. and yeah, I've never seen that before, but man, you see the wife Vera and, and yeah, you could tell she's definitely down and out, you know, you know, fist on the on the head, uh, you know, looking down like you mentioned. And then the dad is there. He's literally, you know, he's got his, uh, you know, hands between his legs, you know, like he's, you know, thinking of something or he's anxious almost to, to say something. Yeah, I, I, I can't. That picture of him in that same picture as Vera reminded me of someone that's just trying to look concerned yeah 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 trying to fake it almost where you're yeah. like yeah we'll we'll be okay you know we'll you know we'll get through this we're gonna be strong together and really you're just a piece of crap mm -hmm. that that angers the hell out of me when i when, you know when we were going through this right now and seeing this picture of him the obliterary he's literally smiling and, and that that just pissed me off, honestly. Yeah, it's one of those pictures where it's like, dude, go to hell. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, like, like, just you wish he's there. You want to see him there if there was a way to do it. You know what I mean? Like this, the like you said, there's a special place in hell. I mean, this is incest. You know, mm -hmm. like, and, and this is what the police summarized is that he did sexually molest and rape his daughter for a good six months, and they theorize. The moment, you know, he wasn't anticipating his son to be up and around on the wheelchair, maybe. And w as he's raping his own daughter, the son comes in to try to stop it or or interrupts him and he goes off. And he probably kills the son first and then tries to obliterate the daughter and then make to 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 try to get away with murder, call the cops Say you just got home and you came upon the scene, rough up the house a little bit and make it look like a someone else did it. And for 42 years, he got away with it. Yeah, that just that that's just awful. And I'm reading here a Facebook group has been dedicated to finding justice for the children. Uh, it's been active and it's bringing new renewed attention to the crime ever since. Um I believe this article was back in October 19th of 2023 when those investigators named um, the killer uh, Weston that did it and Weldon, excuse me, Weldon Alexander. Um, man, it's just, and I wonder too that the, uh, the son, uh, I, I just wonder. Uh, Gordon, yeah, Gordon. Um, mm -hmm. If he's just seen it too many times, 
Like it's happened before when the mother hasn't been there. Uh, we've seen that in movies where right. not not rape or whatever, but child abuse. And the other kid will come and try to, you know, fight the dad off, you know, tell him to stop, you, you know, yelling at him to stop while he's beating the other kid, his brother, his sister. I just wonder how many times and we'll never know, probably because, you know, everybody's pretty much gone or, or you know, dead. But um, how many times that happened? before uh you know weldon you know just wild out in this case uh it's just so disheartening to hear you know knowing that weldon was never suspected that kind of hurts too because no one really around the area thought you know no way it could be him that could never happen it's a great neighborhood it's a great area and people like many of these cases you do man the unexpected just happens and it's just so again disheartening to hear but then after a while listening to all these cases you you bring up here you're never surprised anymore and when you put something together and you you try to figure it out it just never surprises me anymore yeah and that's sad because you know, we've been finding more, more de depraved people. And, you know, with everything that we talked about with him being such a pillar in the community and trusted mm -hmm. or, you know, a sweet old man, as they said, do you know where this piece of crap is buried? Oh, I just had it, but I'm going to guess. Um, I would guess, you know, they thought of him as a, uh, you know, as a great man, you know, going through what he went through, allegedly. Um, I would guess, like, right in, you know, I, I don't know much about cemeteries, but um, I would guess just right in the in a great spot where everybody could see his, his uh, grave, I guess. He's buried next to Vera and the kids. Which... Man already i saw an article that someone defaced his plot thankfully yeah. so but i think they owe it to him to dig him up and cremate his ass or throw him in the ocean or something anything yeah and i can imagine i know the case was solved already in october and you mentioned they defaced you know the 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 uh the plaque there but i wonder if someone if they'll just keep it there just to get, you know, popularity out of it. Like, hey, this was that famous case. You know, everybody's here. Everybody in the case mentioned, you know, that they would never do what you said, which would be the right thing to get hit, to get rid of him, you know, in the cemetery. But I, I don't know. I think people will do it just for the notoriety and uh, notoriety. And um, man, I guess I'll. I'll We'll see if anything changes, but it's it, a horrible, horrible case. It is true because there's a there's a um I think a, a YouTube page out called Lamont at on, on large at large, um, and it's he's got a great voice. Number one and number two, the guy goes to grave sites of famous people or uh, weird cases, and he'll tell their story 
while standing next to their grave in the actual um, cemetery that they're at. And I tell you, ooh. it's pretty crazy. It's a pretty crazy shtick that he does, but it got, it got me on a couple cases. I, I, I watched his videos. I'm like, okay. You know, like, like he's got a good, interesting way of telling a story too. So. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not afraid to do it and then if you kind of want to piss people off, you, you're going to do it anyway. And I just wonder the backlash you may have had, you know, or let little people, you know, rest in peace, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, there's a there's an avenue for everything on, on YouTube and he's just decided to <laughs> take it to the next level almost without digging them up. Yeah, because I remember watching one where he said it was like a tragic story of a couple they had literally got married and as you know how like people throw rice at them and they get in the car and they drive off and they're waving so i guess the couple that left the church went to pull on the the highway were looking back at the crowd and not watching as a semi hit them my god and they were driving like a convertible so it like destroyed the convertible they died like on the spot in front of all their family and well-wishers and so he was at the spot where the accident happened first telling that part of it and then he went to the cemetery talking about the aftermath and what the family experienced i was like whoa that was that's wild yeah pretty crazy but he does stuff like that but getting back to this story and this pos like literally that was the last thing i had researched was you know what people had to say about hip and and how you know like he was you know revered in town and then that stupid website where you know you can give him well with and i was ready to call him what he is and comments were were disabled i'm like damn it <laughs> yeah that was timely that, yeah i i <sighs> I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you like I said, I'm never surprised anymore by these cases, and you know, knowing that hey, he was the only family member around, there was no hints of like, you know, aunts or un, you know, uncles or cousins or nephews, you know, nieces nearby or anything like that. Literally, that's the only guy you could point to, but everybody's like, no, that won't be morally correct. We can't even ask him that. You know, if he did something, there's no way. Yeah, he he had the whole because that's the last thing you think of. You you don't think of incest. Now, if his daughter was killed and there was no rape or nothing like that, you can probably point at the father and be like, well, you know, maybe the father did it. But you you literally don't think no matter what state you're in of incest right away you know what i mean you're you're usually like well that that has to be somebody else i mean what what father would do that to his daughter or his son it's like dude and this guy did it and got away with it for so long it's it's just it kills me man because it's like Mm -hmm. one thing that i wish he faced actual justice because i don't think they would take too kindly to that in prison so, I mean, even if he didn't get the electric chair, someone would off him, I would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't know what's real out there, you know, after you pass away, you know, but 
there's to not even have a guilty conscience a conscience about it is just awful you would imagine you know whenever he passed away just imagine this like you know he's trying to get up to heaven or wherever everybody knows him right away everybody knows what he did and God or whomever is like no 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 you're going the other way you know what you did you didn't tell anybody and you hid it for so long. You know, I, I also wonder this, too, about the mom, Vera. If she saw, you know, something one day. If she, if um, if Weldon, the father, was raping Karen. And that just led to more depression for the mom. Was there anything like that in, in the case? Or anything dug up about that? No, because obviously whatever secret she knew went to went to uh, her grave with her. Mm. And she never wrote like an autobiography. Right. So it's like you can only imagine that, you know, because I, I could see that easily. You know, that yeah. could have pushed her over the deep end. What if she was mm -hmm. borderline, but seeing that would just screwed everything up. And then back then you got to remember late 70s, early 80s in middle America or the South southern you know you you're loyal to your husband what if she's just like i can't say anything and it's like killing her mm -hmm. like, oh we'll never know you know and, and as far as you talking about well then going up to the pearly gates <laughs> i just pictured him climbing the steps and then him getting to the gatekeeper and then the gatekeeper looking at him like really bro like yeah you didn't need to climb and then he hits the the button and he drops into hell so, you know so <laughs> <laughs> he tries to have that innocent smile, like everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah, that's that's just horrible. But a great, this is, again, one of those cases that, you know, it's one of those cold cases that you wish somebody was alive to, <laughs> to have some, you know, grievance, to have some clearance. Maybe, maybe it is for that town and for the townspeople. Mm -hmm. For those that were around, though, that knew about it, but it leaves a stain in that area, too. And especially, like you mentioned, for the the police and, uh, you know, the, the detectives and the chief and all that, it just leaves a stain on them that, hey, you had a case 30 years ago, you couldn't do it. And again, you can't do it. You know, you could blame not having technology, you could blame whatever, but it's just a stain on that town. Yeah, if you want a case solved, don't uh, don't commit or, or, I mean, if if you want, don't don't expect it to get solved in Texarkana because I mean the the cases we've heard, you know, coming out of there, they're not the best at solving cases back in the day or recently. Even if you go into the city's homicide rate, you know, them solving uh, cases, it's not really you know in their favor even to this day. But um, yeah, you have detectives that found stuff that should have been found by prior detectives years prior i mean it's come on man they, they they dropped the ball in this one big time you know it reminds me of a great movie i love it's called it's called uh, in the heat of the night right you know sydney poitier is the detective of philadelphia and he has like a new way of solving that case in the movie that's what mm -hmm. that reminds me of but they didn't have anything like that back then where they were. Or they didn't have anyone that had a new method 
of trying to solve cases and that's just unfortunate also hey i'm looking forward to this henry lee lewis i mean you have a lot of research to do <laughs> the fact that he you know confessed to all these murders and killings or whatever and then like most of them ain't true i don't know why the hell you, i guess you're in there you might as well just start confessing and just you know making a name for yourself but i, I can't wait for those cases yeah, that that one, and I, and, and his buddy O'Toole, I, I mean, they are they are two of the worst people, um, you know. And, and it's it's one thing because there's been serial confessors before that are usually whacked out of their head or just want attention. They're narcissists, and they've done this kind of crap before, and they might be able to hold a detective, you know, in line, thinking that they're the murderer for a while, but then you know they get busted as a liar but those guys aren't actual murders like this guy was still you know you could take away all them hundreds that he confessed to but in the end he's still a serial killer you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he's murdered people so i mean like he had that over all those other um ones that confessed because you know he's he had actual blood on his hands too he just like yeah. wanted to be bigger than the actual story that's wild yeah that 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 one that one's going to be at least a three-parter dude there's a lot to what goes on there because it also you know involves a famous person too you know gets wrapped up into it um there's there's all kinds of stuff so so grinding a true com podcast you can find it on spotify apple Podchaser, uh podbean <laughs> tune in as well as youtube uh, amazon as well I can't wait to see that Launchpad One, uh, but Player FM, wherever you know, tune in wherever you get your you know podcast. Be sure to just type in "Grinding True Crime," and you'll get stories like this that will eat at you. Some that will make you hey, not sleep well at night, and then some where you get into the cases and you really get into it, where you become the detective in the way and you find your way to who murdered whom or whatever the case was so be sure to check this channel out and all the cases before you know i've got an archive bunch of uh the cases you've done you matt and uh gabby here it's just just man you'll find a story like this and you'll find much much more well, I really appreciate all the love right there, James. And that's uh, just for real. I really appreciate that. We try our hardest on this channel and, uh, you know, on the podcast form. And, and uh, yeah, we do a lot of research. And, again, shout out to, to Matt and Gabby. And shout out to you for coming on and pinch hitting for us uh, while they're away. Probably we'll get another uh, episode with you, James, in the next coming days if you're up for it. Yes. We'd love to have you on again. And uh, love for the listeners to, uh, if, if you guys can give us a five star and uh, again, some well wishes uh, towards Matt and Gabby would be appreciated as well. Um, so uh, for Todd Fox and James Gonzalez, y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>